Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Mission Matters Money Podcast, your source for all things money. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at AskAdamTorres. Keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, missionmatters.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Brian T. Adams on the line. He's founder and principal over at Excelsior Capital. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, we got a good topic today. So democratizing access to alternative investments. So excited to get into that with you, Brian. But before we do, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing over at Excelsior Capital, please. Yeah, sure. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, So I've been in the commercial real estate business for the last 10 years. I've got a background um, in a family office that's been investing in private equity for over a generation. Um, And at this point, I have a portfolio of roughly two and a half million square feet, probably $350 million gross asset value across 12 different markets in the Southeast and Midwest. And we focus on secondary markets. So think million plus metro areas, but not your traditional top 10 gateways like Chicago, Atlanta, New York, LA. So we're in places like Kansas City, Nashville, Tampa, et cetera. That's awesome. Um, and I think that's, and that's why I wanted you on the show to talk about this because this is a great topic. So really democratizing, um, access to alternative investments for investors. I mean, where do you want to start with this? And this is a good topic. Yeah. And, and it's something you're going to hear more about, I think, regardless of who wins the election this fall. Democratizing access to alternatives began under the Obama administration. Um, you're going to continue to see this as, um, a political means to bridge this inequality gap that you read a lot about. Um, And so I think it's important for investors to understand. The reason I got into this business was specifically for office investment opportunities, even for my own family, it seemed like the only options we had were to go into a Blackstone, KKR, Carlisle, fund-to-funds vehicle that was very obtuse, very fee-heavy, no relationship with the GP, the sponsor, management team, or to do a one-off deal with a friend that we met on the golf course. And so what I wanted to do with the company was create um, kind of a bridge to bring institutional asset management and institutional opportunities to accredited investor and families. I love it. And to me, it just makes total sense. So, I mean, if we look at what how, how this worked historically, it's exactly what you said. Uh, maybe you did a one-off deal, you did something else, but it wasn't really systematized. It wasn't set up to scale. It wasn't something that you could necessarily like like build your portfolio on, build like a legacy on, so multi-generational because you didn't have the right type of company. It was like, okay, um, in the past we held these funds or we held this REIT or something else like that. Or it's like, oh, we have one investment over here with this guy. And oh yeah, no, my uncle yeah, he knew he knew somebody, and that's how we got into that deal over in Kansas City. You're like, what? You got so if I want to invest there, I got to know your uncle's friend who didn't deal in Kansas City. I mean, it's just it was too it wasn't it wasn't set up to really build like sophisticated systems around is what it comes down to. That's right, and and oftentimes it seemed like there were a lot of folks that had good deal flow in the multifamily space, triple net retail, single family. Um, Etc. But for office, for whatever reason, to your point that you just made, the only real exposure that um, high net worth individuals had were, were REITs. And frankly, that's a synthetic product that is so correlated to the overall market. 
and yields are so bad, it, it, it's a poor proxy for direct investment into the office world. And so I wanted to be able to, to kind of bridge that gap and fill in that need that I saw in the marketplace. Let's go a little bit uh, deeper into, into the office world. For those that are listening, I mean, this is a money show, but we don't get to talk about office space all that often. Um, what kind of attracts you to that sector? Yeah, I think it's a misunderstood asset class. Um, oftentimes, mm-hmm. people who do investments in the office world, um, tenant improvement dollars and leasing, leasing commissions can often eat into um, cash flow and distributions. It always seems like you're churning a lot of money. And that, mm-hmm. frankly, is because there's not a lot of sophisticated sponsors and GPs out there who are underwriting these deals appropriately. And also, if you want what I view as kind of the best price point opportunity to enter the marketplace, you're talking a 10 to $25 million acquisition, which at a reasonable leverage point, you're trying to raise 5 to $8 million per deal. And that's a substantial amount of, of capital and equity. So there aren't a lot of sponsors that are willing to go into that space. And so one of the reasons I loved it was I think it's misunderstood, but also because there's just not that much competition and the buyer pool is fairly light, we're able to command very attractive pricing, um, which results to, you know, better returns for my investors. No, it, may, it makes to- total sense, and I'd ha- I have to agree with you on what you said because it's. Uh, I've always seen uh, I, I, you don't see quite as many. So multifamily, yes, you see quite a few people entering that space, and so there's a, little, a bit of competition, and then the competition might weed out depending on if it gets larger and larger, and then once you tip to that institutional side, then forget about it. Um, but uh, everything below that, it's kind of like we'll see what happens. But you're right on the office side; I don't see it quite as often. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, about the type of of investors that are typically a good fit for Excelsior Capital. So um been running the company for a long time. What are usually the, the right type of investor model or something that's normally going to work well with Excelsior Capital? Yeah, we only work with accredited investors, um, but our minimum is typically in that $100,000 range. Um, so we still feel like it's accessible for the high net worth um, population out there. And we work with all different spectrum of folks. We have probably 450 investors total at this point, and it's everywhere from, you know, a high net worth neurosurgeon to a large family office that that wants to deploy a fair amount of capital and everything in between. One of the biggest mistakes I made early on was I built the company pretty quickly um, and attracted a lot of investors because they didn't have exposure to office. and I didn't have the infrastructure to handle it, frankly. And one of the things I've been doing the last year, two years, is building that infrastructure through a lot of really interesting technology so that I can handle the volume of investors um, that we have and, and I anticipate having moving forward. So we are now set up um, where we can take on quite um, QLPs. But I would say our average investor is just a high net worth individual that already has exposure to multifamily and retail and wants to dip their toe in the water on the office side. That's awesome. So, Brian, if somebody is listening to this and they do want to follow up to learn more about Excelsior Capital, I mean, what's the best way for them to to reach out and learn more? Sure. We have a website, ExcelsiorCapitalGP.com, but frankly, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, That's where I spend a lot of my time. So you can just message me directly and if you want to have a conversation or learn a little bit more about what we're doing, you can check out the company page or you can just contact my personal profile. 
Fantastic. Well, Brian, really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing more about this process of democratizing access to alternative investments for investors. So I think it's great and wonderful what you're doing. And to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave me a review on the Apple iTunes store. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, Mission Matters Money, definitely give us a subscribe there, but also leave us some comments in the video. Love to know what kind of projects and things that you're working on. And Brian, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.